Are beavers really worth a damn? These furry agents of change create and maintain essential wetlands. No one's going to argue that they improve their environment for the better, but I'm starting to think that they change the lives of the people who work with them as well. Let me show you what I mean. I am on the line now with Sherry Tippy, who is pretty much the expert beaver relocator in the world. I actually came to this work uh, pretty interestingly. So tell us uh, what it is you do for a living and then how you got started with beavers. Well, I'm a hairdresser, and um, I've always cared about wildlife, and there came a point in my life where I wanted to make a difference. And the thing is, is I really didn't focus on beaver uh, mm-hmm. initially. I like the big animals like mountain lions and coyotes and wolves and things like that. And um, one day I was uh, scrubbing my floor in Capitol Hill and watching the news, and there was a story how some beaver were going to be killed for taking down trees on a golf course in Aurora. Mm-hmm. And the Division of Wildlife said they had to be killed because there was no place to put them. And I initially thought, well, maybe I could find a place and um, uh, they could put them up there and that would be that. And I'd feel warm and fuzzy because I'd save some beaver and that would be that. So, um, ironically, the first place I called was Rocky Mountain National Park. And I had met the director of Rocky Mountain National Park um, before. His name was David Stevens. And I explained the situation to him and he said, yeah, we'll take some beaver. Mm. And so I was so happy and I called the Division of Wildlife, and I said, hey, you don't have to kill the beaver. I found a place to put them. And he said, where? And I said, Rocky Mountain National Park. And he said, do you know how much money that will cost? <laughs> and I said, well, five bucks for gas, I'll do it. And I had never seen a beaver, uh, never really thought anything about beaver. <sighs> and um, But I was willing to drive them up there if that's what it took. And so I then called the city of Aurora, and they were actually relieved. Um they had been getting all kinds of hate calls from people who didn't want the animals killed. And so um, I asked them, I said, well, if you give me the name of the trapper and his phone number, I'll call him and he can live trap him and then I'll move him. So they were thrilled. And um, I called the trapper and I asked him, I told him, I said, well, listen, if you live trap him, I'll move him. And he said, well, you can't live trap beaver. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, every time I've tried to live trap them, they've drowned. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'll do it. <laughs> and um, pretty soon I was going to live trap my gun and move them, and I had never seen a beaver in my whole life before. The only thing I knew about them is they had flat tails and made dams. <laughs> and uh, by that time, uh, the media had really picked up on the story. Mm-hmm. And um, so I found out the Colorado Division of Wildlife had the traps I needed. I had read about live trapping and relocating mm-hmm. beaver in National Geographic. And, um, but the Division of Wildlife wasn't all, you know, that, that happy to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to see me. And I'm glad I took the media with me because when I asked to borrow their traps, they, they, you know, they didn't want to look like jerks because the story was, gosh, it was on the news, it was on the newspapers, it was on TV, and here I was, a skinny little hairdresser at that time, and here I'm going to be some beaver, and everybody was all excited, because people really didn't want to see these animals killed, but there was just no one willing to do anything other than, you know, kill them, and uh, except for me, 
And I remember when the Colorado Division of Wildlife brought out their two traps all in boxes. They were so big, and I thought, oh, my God. And I looked at him, and I'm trying to be cool. I always say, Professor, I'm trying to be cool. And I said, well, you want to run through this with me? And he put his hand on my shoulder, and he looked mm. down, and he said, oh, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh. And so I took him home, and I put him on my lawn in Capitol Hill. I lived in downtown Denver. I took him out of the boxes, and I sat there, and I cried. They were so big, <sighs> and they were so intimidating. But, by gosh, I I thought of these animals, and I looked at the instructions, and I read them step by step, and I figured them out. And the first night out, I caught two beaver. And it had to be the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me, ever. I mean, um, I, I was just thrilled. And I remember the Division of Wildlife, some people there said, well, you better be careful of these animals. You know, you get bit by beaver, you're bit forever. They take down trees, they do this, they do that. They're vicious, they're blah, blah, blah. And so, but being a hairdresser and not a biologist, and I don't view animals as numbers, I view them as individuals, I started sort of handling them. I remember taking them up to Rocky Mountain National Park and turning them loose and was blown away just by their demeanor and, yeah. and by the way that they were. They they were not aggressive. And um, the, the thing is, is it was covered on all the TV stations mm-hmm. and stuff. And when people saw me, I started getting all kinds of calls mm-hmm. from people that wanted beaver that they were having problems with live trapped and relocated instead of the option that the wildlife agency was mm-hmm. offering was yeah. only killing and so I, well, I was off and running. By then, the Division of Wildlife didn't know what to do with me, and they weren't telling me I couldn't do it, so I was live-trapping and relocating people, and I was getting closer and closer to them. I remember um, back then, I, I lived in a buffet. I had two rooms, and I had no cages. I had, I had nothing. I had live traps. I didn't have anything to to hold the beaver in, uh-huh. so I just put them in the kitchen. <laughs> and I'd fill the bathtub up with water, and they'd get in the bathtub, and they'd get out of the bathtub. And I had, I had, you know, kind of messed around by helping different organizations. I'd messed around with fox and coyotes and uh-huh. bobcats and mountain lions, and and I had never in my life seen anything like a beaver. Mm-hmm. I bet you, well, I know this is no bet, honey, this is the truth. <laughs> the first 150 beaver I caught, I picked up every one. Mm-hmm. I've got pictures of me carrying a 47-pound beaver on my hip like a little kid. Mm-hmm. And they were just not aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I um, I started just being, you know, blown away by them and reading everything I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. And um, the more I read about them, I realized that we shouldn't really be live trapping them at all and moving them and, God forbid, killing them. We should be trying to coexist with them because, in actuality, they're the most important wildlife species we have because beaver are a keystone species huh. to an aquatic ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, they help to prevent soil erosion, improve water quality, they recharge the aquifer, they promote biodiversity, and 85% of all wildlife at some point in their lives depend on the habitats beaver create. Mm-hmm. 
And there's really easy ways to coexist with these animals, you know, flow devices, made like by Skip Lyle and Mike Callahan and uh, something as simple as wrapping trees. And the most important thing, though, I believe, is just education. Mm-hmm. Because so often what people see as a problem truly isn't. Mm-hmm. It's something that happens in a natural and healthy environment. Um when beavers take down trees, they actually will stimulate the growth of many trees. I always like to tell people, mm. especially children, that, you know, nature has it all figured out. Mm. It us that come along and look at something, don't know what the heck we're looking at, and then screw it all up. Yeah. I call, they have this golf course mentality. They want a tree here, some bushes here, some shrubs here. They don't want it to change. Well, when you live in a natural environment like that, the only thing, constant in nature's change. So it's important to recognize that and learn to enjoy it and really appreciate it because it's like this magical dance of nature. Mm -hmm. And you know that beaver are agents of change. So once that you explain that to them and also the wonderful thing about beaver is that, you know, the beaver themselves, they do all of this stuff for us in the environment. Mm -hmm. But geez, they made for life. They're monogamous. Not all beaver, but most beaver you can handle pretty easily. And uh, four to 14 days after the kids are born, they start eating little tender shoots and leaves brought to them by their father. And so there's all these wonderful things. So creating that awe factor truly does go a long way in encouraging and getting people to coexist with our beaver friends. Right, right. What would you say is the thing about what you do that you don't like? What's the hardest thing? The hardest thing is dealing with people that don't know anything about beaver and aren't interested in learning anything about beaver. They aren't interested in the fact. And and they, they move to the mountains and, uh, by God, the beaver not better not take down one tree. And, and it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are those cases where you talk to people and they're so blown away by what I tell them. They say, well, you know, I don't think we want these animals moved. I mm-hmm. think this is, I didn't know all this. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about what you do and you think about somebody else wanting to kind of start that work, what would you say is the best background for them to have? What what do they need to do what you do? The first thing that's so important, because when you're working with wildlife, it is imperative, whatever animal you're working with, Mm -hmm. that you learn everything you can about them because you're dealing with them. You have to work on their time schedule. You have to work on their biological clock. And so often people will want to be relocating beaver the wrong time of year. Right. Okay? So you learn everything you can about these animals so you don't, you're not messing with them and causing more harm for them. Then you make sure, okay, that you have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. The reason is, is because when I set my traps in the late afternoon, I never have missed a day of pulling my traps the following morning. Mm. And I think all traps are removed. You don't want to hurt any other animal. Have an animal be curious about the trap and get caught. Have somebody steal your traps. And you never want to leave a beaver in a trap. Right. Ever, ever. So you have to make sure you have the time because I've told people that work for wildlife agencies when they've whined, well, we're so busy we can't check the traps. 
I said, the only way you don't check them traps is if you get in a car accident and you're killed. Otherwise, you check them traps. <laughs> we, I remember you saying something about the sequence of the family members you would trap, like who was usually the first and who was usually the last. And I, I just thought that was so interesting. So could you repeat that again? Sure. Well, anything, anytime you read something, you know, you, you never take anything like it's carved in stone. Mm-hmm. It's it, Basically, generalities or or the things that happen most often, and most often, I will catch the male and the the kids first, and maybe the yearlings. Okay, uh-huh. that's most often. The last beaver I generally catch is the female. Not every time, but most often. And uh-huh. I always like to rag people and say, "Well, that's just because in female beaver, this male beaver, it's just like in real life." You see, yeah. but but mostly you will catch the males first, and and most often, not all the time, but most often, it's the female that's the most aggressive. Huh. But even if she's aggressive and she hisses at you and she leaps at you, doesn't mean a lot. You just talk to them, and when I catch beaver, I tell them everything I'm doing. And I talk to them in a very nice voice, a very sort of sing-songy, like baby voice, like you talk to a child. And the beaver will start listening to you, and and they will they will maybe not respond, but then they know that they're not going to be hurt. I've heard, I've had people tell me, beaver are so aggressive. They're not aggressive at all. Mm-hmm. They're frightened. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you make them comfortable, and you calm them down, and you're going to be blown away. I bet you I could get a beaver to do just about anything I wanted to do because uh, I just let them know that they're okay with me and mm-hmm. I'm not going to hurt them. Right. Can you remember the first time you saw a beaver? What what surprised you? What your impression was? Golly. Was it the first one? Or was it when you trapped or had you seen one before? I had, I had seen one when I was out looking for them. Uh-huh. And... Uh, um, I didn't. I, I just saw one swimming in the water. I had never seen one before, and I saw one like in person, and I was blown away seeing wildlife like that. And here yeah. I'm going to catch this animal. <laughs> but but the, the first time that I can honestly say that it really hit me about these animals and that they were so different. First, I kind of just thought they were they were just easy to handle and they weren't very aggressive and they didn't want to hurt me. And mm-hmm. you know, and then I had a probably this beaver that weighed 50 pounds, and I had him on my kitchen floor. And my friend that was helping me, we were just so blunt. And they get along with cats, by the way. I have cats, and they, they seem to like cats. don't like dogs that much because dogs are too snoopy and invasive, but they seem to get along with kitty cats. And she was lying on one side of this beaver, and I was lying on the other side of the beaver. And we were close to them, and I was touching the beaver on the side of his body, and he was okay with it. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me, this animal is letting me do this to him. Uh-huh. I, I looked at her. I said, oh, my God, can you believe this? Uh-huh. Look at this. And then I I absolutely got this this incredible rush of calm uh-huh. and and uh-huh. of love for this creature that was allowing me to, to, to be so close to him. Oh, Sherry, I'm so delighted to be able to talk with you and really have to been so inspired by the work that you do. 
Um, I'm really grateful. I know all of Worth the Dam is grateful. And thank you so much for talking with us at Agents of Change. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure, sweetie. Beaver. Thank you. Said that time